Who's going to start the Katie McCabe rant? Is it going to be me or you, Emma? He knew he messed up the minute the whistle went because he went straight up to Katie and I don't know what he said. I should have started you. I don't think he said that, but he should be saying Subscribe that. to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. It is a victory Monday, eight minutes past eight. Alan Quillen is here. Alan, how are you? Morning, lads. Yeah, good, thanks. Um... The greatest Six Nations game of all time? So some people are saying. I wasn't there. I was in Murrayfield, so I was watching as well as uh, many others. Yeah, I think it was um, it was an unbelievable game, wasn't it? Frantic, great skill, great pace, tempo to the game. Two best teams in the world. And, and sometimes we've spoken about the, the label of one and you know where you're ranked. Um, sometimes it's justified and sometimes you're kind of a little bit... yeah. But Ireland deserve the credit now, and I think um, we're all going to be a little, still a little bit um, sceptical and not get too far ahead. But on the balance of what we've seen, not just uh, in that game, um, I go back to New Zealand and even the previous November where they beat Japan, Argentina, New Zealand, Argentina, the performances there. Um, Andy Farrell has done an incredible job. Um <clears throat> There's a couple of things, right? We we uh, we shouldn't get carried away, but actually, the joy of sport is trying to feel alive. We should get a little bit carried away because this is a, yeah, this is about as good it. as it gets. Yeah, you have to enjoy it, and yeah. um, ultimately, we, we all keep saying we're going to be judged at the World Cup, and you could do brilliantly now, and uh, you know, you come unstuck at the World Cup. You just saw what happened in the Soccer World Cup, the way people are devastated and upset when it happens when you're knocked out and you're a fancy team. Ireland are going to be fancied at the World Cup now. A lot of English journalists and people online actually really taken, given Ireland massive credit for the way they're playing, the system, the composure, uh, the fitness levels, the skill levels, all that kind of stuff. You go back two years ago, but this team was getting questioned. They lost their opening fixture in 2021 to Wales and then to France. It was blunt against Italy a little bit. Um one in Scotland with that late penalty from Johnny Sexton, 27-24, I think. And then the performance against England was the one that kind of kick-started the attack progression. And, you know, we'd heard a lot of players say, well, you know, we're working hard on attack and we believe in the system and my cat was under pressure. So, you know, coaches and players always have dips and low points and, and times where you have to dig in. And I think the progression of this team has been nothing short of phenomenal really the way that's the key thing for me is that um, Johnny was asking earlier on like what's the difference between this time or maybe it was Colin what's the difference between this time and, and four years ago and the difference is that our game is improving the players are getting better they, like it's not like we've discovered a thing that works and we're going to get really good at that and we're going to just focus on that so it, it, when in the game when the game was kind of in in balance we decided to start kicking for the corners and turn them around, which, you know, we're not just one thing. And I think for me, the thing, the thing, Ger, is I felt even when France were putting on that pressure and got that try in the first half from Penault, it was a wonderful try, I genuinely felt Ireland would go up the field and score again. You just get that feeling about this team that even if they someone attacks them back... And historically, you know, you're hanging on and in a big game and you're nervous, God, what the, will the All Blacks do and what will England do or South Africa against you? 
now you just feel that these guys have a level of composure and control and belief in themselves and that has to come from the boss you know Andy Farrell has done a remarkable job here nobody I think their biggest strength with respect to the, to, to the players is collectively they're all at just a high level of diligence in what they're doing fitness level skill level we don't have X-factor geniuses who can run out over people and just do something out of nothing and uh, something special in the game. But they're all at such a high level. And there's probably eight or ten of this team, if you were picking a World 15, even before the weekend, that you'd say would be in the conversation because their form has been so good with Ireland. We obviously have X-factor in the forwards, though, where you're like, are these lads like... Top, they're top. not the biggest players in the world, Johnny. They're not like, you know, they're not an Ebenezer mm. for South Africa who's just freakishly big. Um, but they're they're absolutely excellent players. James Ryan is back playing superbly. You know, what Finley Beelham has well, done I think the last Finley Beelham is a really interesting case study where um, where we were all very concerned about what would happen. Ty Furlong is one of the unmissables. If Ty Furlong goes down, what are we going to do? If... Uh, James Gibson Park goes down what are we going to do if Sexton goes down what are we going to do now it's like if Hugo Keenan goes down okay fair enough I'm not sure what we're going to do but like all of those did yeah, go Matt down Matt Hansen probably goes in full back um, yeah that's it and I think it's, you, you, just from Andy Farrell I think he's really interesting to listen to and if you're at one of these press conferences I remember being at the press conference in Dunedin I don't know if I've said this to you um, second test had just been beaten well in Auckland Glass half full for them because, the, and, I, and really, when I watched the game back, that first test in Auckland, um, I looked. There was lots of opportunities, and there were certain things that just didn't go Ireland's way. They believed it, and I felt straight after the game they were all saying, "Well, if this happened, and you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z for next week, and we 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 think if we get that right, and you know, just one of those days that things didn't go right." And um, he was at the, the 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 press conference in Dunedin on the Thursday, and he was literally telling the journalists there that this is what I love I loved what's happening I love the challenge I love the fact that our backs are to the wall and that mentally we're going to be really tested again in, in a bit of a cauldron down down in Dunedin and um, I just found it intriguing to think that he was he believed that um, mentally they were in the right place and this was a real challenge and it was it was one that he would embrace as a player himself because that's the way he played. You know, at 17, he's playing for Great Britain, Rugby League. Um, unbelievable player, mental strength. And I just sensed that he was sitting at the top table. Saying, never seen to see about him either. Like, you know. I, I'd love to be going out onto the field to play the All Blacks mm-hmm. in the second test here. And that's what I want my players to feel. And I want them to be tested and stressed mentally and physically. Uh, it's not about him, Johnny. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Like and he's a lovely mood. But look, it's it's they're in a good place at the moment, and the coach has created that environment. A couple of things about that too, because I, I just want to delve into that. In, in Portugal, apparently, I, don't, I can't remember where I read this today, but um, there was a game where they played fifteen on fifteen, and they tore lumps out of each other. And afterwards, apparently, Sexton said, "Jesus, very hard to tell which is the first team here." And like we we heard this about Kilkenny when they were at their absolute peak. That. They could, they'd have two 15s to win the All-Ireland. And then we heard the same about the Dubs. The hardest game they're getting is in... in um, but, like, all the great teams feel that. Whether or not it's true, if they believe that, it creates this incredible sense of Every, power. The reality is everybody out there knows 10, 12, 13 of those players that are going to start. But the point he's making is a really interesting one, that 
the level of the guys behind is increasing the way they're training, the way they're challenging the so-called first team yeah. when they get a chance to run at them, that they're not kind of accepting a tackle and saying, well, look, this is the way it should be. They're actually getting stuck in and they're actually attacking them. So Andy Farrell has capped 30 players since he's taken over, which is a big number in a World Cup cycle. Now, given... You know, you had Japan and USA in 2021 fixtures. Last year, they were in New Zealand. So there was no tour in 2020 because of COVID. Yeah. They were supposed to go to Australia. So he's capped uh, 30 players. Selected 66 before the start of the Six Nations. So right. in, last week and this week, I don't know, would there be a few more? I don't think so. But it's up over. The numbers are very high. So you still get a lot of familiar faces that we can pick. But if you look back to 2019 and the loss to New Zealand, there's eight or nine different players on the starting team. So he's done a really good job in turning that around. Simon Easterby, Paul O'Connell, John Fogarty, you know, deserve massive credit. Mike Cat as well. So we're not getting to a point here that we've the World Cup won. Ultimately, and we keep saying it, you're, if you get out of the group, Scotland are going to be a problem in that group. Um, you're, you're playing France or New Zealand in a quarter-final. They could still be beaten on their day there, but yeah. they're in a good place, so yeah. we might as well enjoy it now and give them credit. Just, just the fitness thing you mentioned, like how how notable is how noticeable is that? Because like the our last try, the French lads are almost falling into each other. I think they're getting tired. Yeah. And like you look at James Ryan's hit. Um, I think was it? It was like near the goal line. This massive, massive hit, like late in the game. It's the hunger, Johnny. And yeah. We're proper, like Doris said, the first half is one of the toughest first halves he's ever endured. Yeah. Yet second half, we're finishing. Like we were dominant in the second half. Really. We've been focused on the figures. The um the piece we do with Derek McNamara, and there'll be another one tomorrow about the. Uh, uh, length of time that the ball is in play mm. and how World Rugby's rules have shifted and they've actually shifted in our favour that the game is trying to speed up trying to have more, yeah, more ball so the game time. they want to play opposition can't slow it down now if you're leading a game and you're trying to manage a score in bad weather it'd be nice to have a little huddle before the line out yeah. and a few times Wayne Barnes and even the other games at the weekend which is great teams walking slowly into line outs having a little bit of a chat they're being told get in quickly um so yeah, the game is speed. It's, um, it's, it's, they're trying to make it quicker, which is 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 important to what Ireland are doing. I like the fact that they kicked a lot as well. So many like, kicks in the game. It's unbelievable. If I give you the stats now, when you didn't hear the result and said, "Well, Ireland kicked the ball thirty nine times, France kicked it thirty seven times," you'd be like, "Borefest." Mm. But it's the diff type of kicking. It wasn't thumping it out the touch. They were tactically kicking at times, cross field kicks. And a really important part of the performance of the weekend was that Ireland didn't run back at France. They actually, it is a little bit boring when it's gone on for a minute or two, but France want to play in your half. They want to smother you, overpower you, kick the ball long, hope that you run back. And it's the length of kicks from Intimac and Dupont. They're going for distance and they want you to run back and do something silly and get turned over, kick a penalty, a goal, or kick it into the corner. Yeah. And then when they're in that strike zone, they come, they've, they have X-Factor players. They have power. They have steppers. Um, DuPont is the best rugby player in the world by a country mile. Yeah, He's I just think, phenomenal. If you take earlier. him out of that France team, yeah. it, 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 they need to wrap him in cotton wool for the World Cup. And the other thing is, France are going to learn a lot from that de- defeat. So, number one, Galtier and Sean Edwards, maybe fitness, maybe the way they played. They threw a bit of caution to the wind early on in that first half, so they, you would say they, they maybe added to their own downfall a little bit. Territorially, they're normally on top, 
So Ireland won the 64% territory and 54% possession. Do you think they regret taking three points earlier when they would have been able to kick for the corner and get their mall going? I think if they look back on it, yes. But I think they were giving Ireland respect. There's no guarantee you'll score that mall now because Ireland no, have become, <clears throat> become incredibly good at defending malls and that's down to Paul O'Connell. How long has that taken, actually? It's probably, it takes time. Sometimes you're, we saw it in November, so we've evidence of it in November when South Africa are trying to maul Ireland. Um, I think South Africa had 20-something phases, remember, in that early on that game, and Ireland were under a lot of pressure, but they they held their line, they defended them all. So they become really efficient. The other crazy stat in the game is Ireland missed 38 tackles. So again, it's another stat of I presented you this morning and you said, well, the team, one team missed 38 tackles here. You'd say, well, they probably lost the game. A lot, a lot of it was just incredible evasion. Like I was doing, um, looking back at certain aspects of good defence from Ireland and in certain parts of that good defence, there was two missed tackles in this phase, yeah. three missed tackles here. It was guys just falling off the hips, another guy trying to scramble and then the third guy would make him. It wasn't massive ground that France had made. But, um, yeah, the stats were crazy in the game and it was a phenomenal game, you know, um, just to see what, what pundits and, and journalists are saying about it. So we have to celebrate it and say, look, they're in a really good place. Yeah, we should and enjoy this. It'd, well, be, be, there it'd be a great yardstick for uh, to beat us with if we go out in the quarterfinal, which ultimately is, is a flick of a coin, really, no matter what kind of form you're in going into that World Cup. You play France at home in a World Cup quarter-final, it's going to be phenomenally difficult. The, the French fans, like, for me, that was an amazing aspect of sex. And said before the game, I grew up, like, watching Ireland generally lose to France. The French fans, they gave this impression, like, we're up for this, but we're underdogs here. Like, we need to get behind this team. And the atmosphere was unbelievable. It was absolutely in, unbelievable. In the last, kind of, 10 or 15 years, the results in Dublin have been really good against mm. France. And um, we've gone to Paris a good few times and won. Um, but... The French fans at the weekend, and they they really feel that this is this is a new era for them. Winning the Grand Slam last year, the coaching team, they have a, an incredibly high number of players they can select from in the top fourteen. So their depth chart is, and they're missing a couple of players as well. They're missing they're Jonathan Dante at centre, Walkie and Villiers. Yeah. They're probably three that start from Ireland. Have an argument? As, well, there's three no argument. Four, there's four that will definitely start. Uh, Furlong, Sheehan, Gibson Park and Robbie Henshaw. Watch OTPAM live every weekday morning from 7.30 on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Off The Ball channel so you don't miss a thing. In the World Cup, we're actually, by the time we get to a quarterfinal, if we make it there, there's no chance of us having everybody available because that's just how it so works. He's, and and that's the word he used, stressed, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Ireland have been stressed in, in the first two fixtures and that's what he wants. He's planning for that. Go back to 2015 against Argentina when you'd know Paul O'Connell, Sean O'Brien, Tommy Bow, Johnny Sexton and Peter O'Mahony for Argentina. All gone after the France game. Brilliant win against France. You've a quarter of, you're top the group. You've, you're playing France or Argentina the week after. There's five of them gone. And it affected the mentality of the team. Yeah. And I think obviously it was a very good Argentinian side, but there was changes in personnel, positional changes in that game and it it, it messed, it, it, uh, yeah. it took away that it def- opportunity. It so, even from a mental point of view, Jerry, you know, any good team, if three or top players are out, everyone drops the heads. I've been there before on teams where we've been missing certain players and you're kind of going, God, he's an awful loss and it's, the undertone is they're a loss, they're a loss. Whereas now, ideally, you want to get to a point where, okay, and I think the biggest plus for Ireland on Saturday 
was Ross Burns' performances when Johnny Sexton went off. He went off early in that second half. Yeah. And there was no kind of hairy... 40, 49 minutes gone, I think. There was no kind of situation where we went, oh God, wish Sexton was on. Sexton is at a different level. But I just think Ross Bourne has... Our, our attacking play didn't He's now got a, an incredible surge of confidence. Yeah. And he feels, you know, this is my chance and this is my moment in time, which so is really good. Let's let's talk briefly then about... So, so afterwards, uh, Farrell says, of the 23 players, uh, only 10 of them were available to go to commercial, which I think is what happens afterwards. But I, they I, go up into <clears throat> corporate boxes yeah. and stuff like that, which is part of their, the gig and they have to do it. And yeah, so 13 of them were unavailable because of, like, knocks. <laughs> okay, so clearly it was... Um, you know, strewn all around the place. And we wait to see what the story is with Ty Byrne. I think he's gone first. Of the 13 that were unavailable, there's about five or six of them who, who lean on a bit of a knock or a bruise, <laughs> which is very shrewd. I'd, I'd, I'd probably one of them as well. But So there's about six or seven that can't go. And yeah. then there's about six or seven who are bluffing it a okay. little bit. And, right. the, and the, the physio <laughs> or the doctor is not going to get... No, I'm only joking. Um... But of those, right, obviously, uh, Tygburn is the most serious and we really hope that there's nothing too long-term. Like, if he misses the rest of the Six Nations but is grand for the summer, like, the World Cup, from Tygburn's perspective, I think, is all that matters, right? From Ireland's perspective. What about Munster? Like, well, poor Munster fellas, well, yeah. You're going to have RG Snyman back. Maybe, yeah. yeah. No, look, he's, um, yeah, his injury looked... We don't have an update. Maybe there'll be an update today. He went for a scan yesterday, I think, and uh, it didn't look great. But... Um, there would be a lot of bruised and bodied, uh, battered bodies after that. Do you take this now as an opportunity? So uh, Robbie Henshaw is back training with the group, and uh, as far as we know, because he did a piece with us, it was always the Italy game was was his. So you stick Robbie Henshaw back in the team. Do you start Bundy? Do you do you give? Um, uh, do you give Ringrose a week off? Do you give? Well, he's a week off this weekend. But like the, the natural off. inclination here is to think we make ten, twelve changes, and or or it's not. Maybe it's four. Maybe it's four changes. It's four or five changes at max, and Ronan you, you, you yeah. load the bench a bit. You, there's certain guys that you would like to see, give him a little bit of a look. And Gavin Coombs, we know Ryan Baird has played. Um, a co- he's a couple of caps, and he's an incredible player. He needs to probably come into the mix. Bundyaki probably needs game time. Whether he goes back with with Connacht and plays um, in the URC this weekend, I don't know. But um, Joe McCarthy. Uh, there's a couple of them there that you could argue need 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 a shot at it or need to be on the bench anyway and get into get a mix get f- feel part of this. But, but how, uh, what 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 like what changes are you making for the Italy game then? I don't know. Um, I think Ryan Baird will come in. Gavin Coombs should come into the mix to start uh, or Coombs on the bench. Baird to start. It it it. To give Caelan Doris a week off. Yeah. Uh, you, I don't know because, like, for me as a player, if I'm playing the starting on the Irish team now, my weekend off, off is next weekend. Right. I'm getting a break. Do you want, if they don't play there, effectively some of them don't play for three or four weeks, um, for nearly four weeks. So they, they'll be chomping at the bit to, to, to be involved and to play. And um, so there's probably three or four changes I think Ryan Baird if, if Tygburn and you'd assume Tygburn is going to be out of that picture he may be back if it's if it's not too bad he might be back for for the Scotland game who knows but Ryan Baird and Gavin Coombs are the two come to mind maybe start um, Kilcoyne um, Andrew Porter is, is going hard for yeah. a fair part of the season as well so and Bundyaki's the other one 
Osborne, Jamie Osborne, does he come into the picture and get a run, get a start? Maybe it could happen. Um, but you don't. You want to respect Italy and not make wholesale changes. Um, so Ross Byrne starts again. Sex and his weekend off next weekend. You know what I mean. So it depends on what the injuries like. So it's it's um, yeah, possibly Ross Ross Byrne as well. So I don't know what they're thinking, and they'll they'll give us the logic when they they kind of pick it. But you would think four or five um, changes and. You've got to keep it strong enough, though. You can't make eight or nine changes and suddenly think it's going to happen because it's not that the players underneath wouldn't perform, but it's just that cohesion that's very strong at the moment. Uh, Rob Herring situation, um, you know, not sure what's going to happen with him and will Dan Sheehan come back, but that tackle on Saturday, there's no point in us going into it in depth. Everybody's had their opinion. It should have been a red card and... uh, um, Do you know for me that it wasn't much to tackle and clearly it was a card. The most the most horrifying aspect of that game for me was the fact that he he took that hit. I was very close to it and I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, oh my god, like to see a hit like that. He got himself up and he picked up the ball very shortly afterwards and he's tried like, to pass all over the shop and he, he was I was like, How is this situation where this fella is basically has to play on and he's seen to be playing on when I don't know what's going through like his body or head at that moment and I, I thought that was horrible to see because God knows where he Yeah, there's at. a lot of people have a strong opinion on that saying when now when you get a head knock straight off. So I've been a big advocate for this. To be fair, people can accuse me of not being very uh, pro um, the protection of the players. The issue you have there, Johnny, is sometimes it can seem worse than what it is mm. and I mean that respectfully. Um, we... The initial hit, you're not really sure. It's a big collision. What's the uh, the effect and the impact? Obviously, when he tries to pick up the ball, he's kind of stumbling a bit. And then that's the point where you go, whoa, you need to get this player off. There's a delay in him actually leaving the field. And with respect to the, the process, the independent match doctor at that point is now looking at footage. So we had a problem with that in Australia with the Nick White thing where the footage was... He was looking at one shot when Nick White got a second bang off the line out. So there is an issue there and needs to be spoke about. And World Rugby came out and spoke about that, that process. In the situation on Saturday, the independent match doctor is looking at footage. He needs to look at footage. You can't just pull a player off the field if it looks like that he's had a knock. We need to see some, some of the evidence of the imbalance and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a little bit of a delay there. And in their defence... They're looking at footage there, and then obviously when they see the footage, he's off. Should the play just stop <clears throat> when something like that happens? Should they just stop the play? There's an argument this to say yes. Yeah, there's an like argument to say yes. There's an argument to say yes. Anyone watching that, as much as I didn't need a replay to know, like he was in a bad way after that, he had yeah. to be. Yeah, uh, I guess the the uh, the reason that they don't stop play immediately is because you can then start having people faking that type of situation. That's a situation that so, can happen. And you know, so we brought in, you know, that same play. Um, which is horrific to think that somebody might be risking long-term brain injury for the sake of gameplay. But I guess the, the one thing, the one counter-argument to the footage is, right, Wayne Barnes goes, there's a whiplash. Now, I, that seemed, the whiplash, he, he used the word whiplash when he's talking to the, um, the whiplash seemed to be a, a factor which was diminishing the, oh, so it looks worse than it is, but actually, like, if you think there's a bit of whiplash, then there's a potential suspect. And the words we used, it wasn't a high level of danger. 
didn't make any sense. It just uh, he, he seemed to back himself into a corner with that, and and also with the on-field decision to try. So you have to be absolutely certain that his foot's touched the ground, which is James Law's try. Definitely wasn't a try. No, <laughs> no. his foot touched the ground. Yeah. Was it and, a no arms tackle? Um, his arm is tucked right. fairly tight. Now you think he's he might be trying to target the ball at that situation, but his arm's got to be up here. He's got a dip, Antonio. So he knew it straight away. He's very oh, much. Sorry, you're talking about the uh, oh for, um, for yeah for the try, James Law's try. Yes, Pinot doesn't use his arms. Is there any argument then that that's actually it's a it's a penalty try? It balances itself out. Yes, possibly. He doesn't try to tackle James Lowe with a wrapped arm. He's trying to get... Yeah. His two hands are trying to go through where the ball is. Apart from uh, the massive two egregious errors that Wayne Barnes made, otherwise he refrigerated... He did, yeah. He really did, yeah. Look, it's, um, in fairness, there was some tempo to the game. It was unbelievable. Ireland very fortunate with the James Lowe one. Antonio should have been red, and in in a sense maybe it's better it didn't happen from from you know would we be in saying well against 14 men yeah. and there would, you know it worked out fine that way but rob herring's injury and <clears throat> the knock he took was was of high impact and it was dangerous and there was it's a, obviously dangerous like and you look at matthew carley's face when when he's he's going yellow he's like yeah um, Wayne Barnes on the ref link was like, oh, I'm taking the assist for that after the try got scored because he had to duck out of the way when inside the first 22, um, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, but I, I I thought, like, apart from that, as I say, massive No, he did, he's a brilliant referee and look... Is this, like, just a quick question, is this the best French team that there has been? <sighs> we'll see. Yeah. And Ireland beat them fairly comfortably, like. We did beat them comfortably, that's the thing. They did beat them comfortably, regardless of decisions. They France did beat played them well. Yeah, Ireland were... Ireland, Ireland were scored three tries. They were held up four like, times like, over the line. Yeah. Um, so, that, that's... Like, held up, what, three or four times when it looked yeah, certain to score. That's the reality of it, and looked fairly comfortable. I think France, did, tactically, would do things a bit different. Yeah. Would we win that game in France? We weren't getting, Possibly, that, we weren't yeah. getting that try. They're we finding did, that but, angle straight away. But, seven or eight decisions in the game last year that Ireland lost went against Ireland yeah. so France will have their video footage today and they'll be going back to the referees saying well this, this, this and this should have been different So, How good are Scotland? Uh, Liam McAvoy sorry Greg Mallon says the Ireland pack will destroy the, destroy the Scottish pack Scottish backs won't do anything without the ball bar defend I don't know if their pack is going to be destroyed by anybody No I, they're not going to be destroyed they're very competitive um, I think they've got a little bit of edge about them now um, Richie Gray and and Gilchrist a problem area from even though they're, they're they've been there a while and they've Richie Gray has been out of the setup come back in um, they're playing well from really good back row um, Crosby uh, Fagerson and uh, Richie they're, they've, they've they're dogs like you know now. yeah it's again if uh, and and uh, Finn Russell was really good in that second half. Um, They've some Hugh Jones is a really good player in the centre, so they feel good about themselves. Um, Consistency has always been a problem for them. That's the first time since the early uh, mid nineties since they won two games at home or two games in a row in the Six Nations. So they'll be they'll be a serious threat for Ireland. There's no doubt about that. Um, Wales Wales are really poor. Pardon. Bigger threat than England, Scotland away. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. I think so. There's no doubt about that. Um, they were very good in the second half. Wales were poor. They look in the in in big trouble, and um, it was uh, it was a poor first half, poor executed, exec- poorly executed by both sides. But Scotland, 
Wales better are team flaky. by a mile. Wales are flaky enough that if they'd scored that try at the end of the, of the first, first half, half. Yeah, then they're who right knows? back in the game. Do you yeah, know? And but, but they're so flaky that because they didn't, it's like, oh, that's it, it's game over. They look like they've just got to go way back and just uh, start all over again, find a game plan, execute their, their attack better. It's hard to say they're badly coached, but they just looked so blunt in attack and not really sure what to do. Um, so they have a lot of work to do and probably the team that Warren Gatland picked on Saturday should have been the team he picked against Ireland Yeah, and and the, there'd be less pressure they've Shunza the, uh, the back row was probably one bright spark for them they've Tommy Raffel in there Jake Mor- Jack Morgan young players Daffod Jenkins in the second row so they've five or six 20 21 22 year olds um and he's got to change it up and they left out all that experience and dropped Alan jones Tipperick yeah. uh, Faletau so um, they have a nice handy World Cup draw though so they can still they're be on the right side yeah, yeah yeah. you can imagine um, they, they still and they'll still be there thereabouts yeah. he'll probably muster a team together and get some of these players believing in themselves they're good players but they need they have a lot of work to do so in short we're going to win the World Cup get on board the hype train you said it not me Gerald <laughs> No, I don't think so. It's a it's a long way off, and no matter what happens between now and then, it's still going to be incredibly different, difficult. This is as good as it's ever been. This. Yeah, here and now they're they're brilliant and they're playing brilliantly, and I think it's not just. Um, it does feel a bit different as well, doesn't it? Even even sometimes you feel that if you meet English and Welsh people and French people and say, "Oh, Ireland, great! They'll win the Six <laughs> Nations." That you're going, "Yeah, right." You really mean that now? You're just being nice, but you, I, I've, like. I met Sam Warburton the other day and Yannick Nyanga and they're like this Irish team is incredibly good they're you know they're they're really taking notice of what they're doing and they're you can analyse them all you want and there's certainly areas the obvious ones are will we go after Ireland physically slow their breakdown they're the very obvious ones the same with Leinster but analysing what they're doing and knowing it and seeing it it's still very very hard to stop them because they're just non-stop in how they're doing it and their, their execution is really good. Just a word about Conor Murray and his performance. His performance levels are at the very highest levels they've ever been in his entire career and an incredibly difficult week for him as well. Yeah, it was a really difficult week and um, his father's a lovely man and it was very unfortunate and we hope he recovers and, and um, send him our best wishes uh, my mother said to me last week oh god Jerry Murray was so lovely when we have any of the parents get together so he always brings me out dancing and he's so nice to me and um, it's funny when you hear those kind of things and the way the parents all kind of have that connection um, but yeah it's a really tough week to have that sort of distraction and to go out and play then and I know if it was my dad or if it was was in that situation they'd want you to play and I'm sure Connor based his decision to be involved on Dad would want me to play, so, and but it's still a hard thing to deal with. Very difficult thing, um, and he played really well. And and I think the week before in Wales, and it's a nice period for him now. Given a couple of weeks previous, he wasn't yeah, in the twenty-three yeah. for Northampton for yeah. Munster. So it's incredible. What did you um, make of Sexton? His attitude has been really good, though. I think his attitude, and that's the key to it. What did you make of Sexton just during the anthems? I was like, I was blown away by it at the time. It was like he was. It was specifically Ireland's call, wasn't he? Totally, yeah, <coughs> the Ireland's call. He was yeah, totally emotional. I know. It's, like, it, he's he's loving being being putting on the jersey, and that hunger and drive is is just 
gone to a level that it's, uh, it's he was looking around he was looking around during that and I it did have the feel of like this could be my second last or my last mm. time here you know mm. and hopefully mm. there's a hiding cup final but maybe Ross Byrne will be in ahead of him who knows who knows Right, we've gone a bit over, but sure, why not? Because uh, Ireland are the best team in the world. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Cheers, lads. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.